and welcome to Ask Deb About Business. I'm Rom Gaioso, co-host. We are broadcasting via Futures Television, the home of the future on television. If you're listening to the show via podcast, watching us on TV, or listening to it on Radio Futures, you too can be part of the conversation. Just visit our YouTube channel, and that is IMCI Magazine, where we continue to chat about the topic of the day. You can also access this information on our website, and that is www.futurestelevision.com. So don't be shy. Today, our topic is, are we truly preparing our children for the future? Dr. George Land's NASA study back in 1968 showed that we are all born creative geniuses, but the education system dumbs us down. So what did he find in his research? Well, the children demonstrated creativity scores at genius level of 98% at age 5, 30% at age 10, 12% at age 15, and just 2% as adults, and that is on average age 31. Dr. Lane's observation was that by the time we finish school, we are probably much less creative than we were going in. The really bad news is that creativity is one of the most in-demand 21st century skills. We know that in order to keep up with the future of work, we all need to be able to come up with new solutions to new problems. And we can't do that if we don't have creative geniuses leading the charge. If Dr. Lenz's observations are true, what have we done since his NASA study in 1968 to transform our schools and nurture the natural creative genius in school children? And if his observations are true, we need to transform our schools immediately before more damage is done. Well, there's a lot to talk about on this topic, but worry no more now. You have someone to talk to. But first, let me say a few words about the show. Broadcasting live from Butterfield Studio in Chicagoland to the world, I would like to welcome you to Ask Deb About Business. The talk show is broadcast every other Thursday at 11 a.m. Central Time, where I join Deb Deets to discuss a variety of business topics. So no matter what your venture is, you will certainly have questions. But worry no more, now you have someone to talk to. So before we get started, let me say a few words about Deb Dietz. So Deb has a long and distinguished career as a coach, mentor, and to her awesome training programs at SMB Digital Education, she has enabled many entrepreneurs to follow their dreams. And that's exactly what I like about her. It's her ability to deliver practical advice to help you solve real problems. Have a business question? Well, let's ask Deb. Without further ado, let me welcome Deb Dietz to the show. Hi, Deb. Hey, Ram. How are you? Great to see you today. Wonderful in your beautiful Butterfield, you know, studios in Vernon Hills, Illinois. Absolutely. 
Absolutely, we uh, we look good, we're, we sound good, and we're delighted to be here in Butterfield Studios. I also wanted to congratulate you, Rom, on adding Radio Futures to the Futures Television uh, Media family. Uh, delighted about that news, so now our audience can watch us on TV and they can listen to us on the radio, so congratulations. And again, I also wanted to thank Jeff Horvath and the team at Butterfield Studio for this beautiful set and uh, making us look and sound good. Uh, the Ask Deb About Business show uh, really focuses on emerging trends, issues and opportunities that face small to mid-sized businesses, uh, business owners, business leadership, business professionals. And we invite subject matter experts on our show, experts who can help share their expertise, their wisdom with all of us. And my promise to all of you is that by the end of our time together today, that you will have at least one key takeaway that you can take forward and implement within your business. And today, our topic is the business of education. And I am delighted to welcome Katarina Hansens Carlson, who is joining us from Stockholm, Sweden. And, uh, she is going to share her wisdom and help us understand if we truly are preparing our children for the future. How wonderful. Thank you so much for your kind words. And of course, uh, we love the studios. Jeff does a fantastic job for us. So let's say a few words uh, about our guests before we get started. So today we're going to welcome Katarina Hansens Carlson. And she is the founder of Global Leadership Schools and CEO of Destiny International 11. She has worked successfully for the past 20 years with over 2,000 entrepreneurs internationally. Motivated by her deep interest in education and human nature, she acquired a degree in education at Humberton College, Cambridge, and then trained as a psychotherapist. She found her life purpose as an entrepreneurial business, vision consultant, and global trainer. She has been driven and focused on this ever since. As the founder of Global Leadership Schools, she's the leader of a team that transforms the schools globally. Author of your entrepreneurial blueprint consultation and training and your leadership blueprint consultation and training, her major contribution is to find her client's entrepreneurial blueprint or leadership blueprint. Global Leadership Schools is currently introducing an international training program to train 195 schools worldwide in entrepreneurship and leadership. So Katharina's vision is one school in one town in every country of the world. So without further ado, let's welcome Katharina to the show. Hi there and welcome. Hi, Deb. Hi, Katerina. So happy to have you with us today. Uh, we're delighted that you're here to share your expertise about the future of our children. And uh, the future of uh, our children is important to every single person who's watching and listening today. And uh, I, I'd like to start out by just, you know, kind of coming back to Ram's introduction when he was sharing the, the story of Dr. George Land mm -hmm. and the work that he did for NASA, where NASA wanted to test the creativity, the creative thinking ability 
ability, the divergent thinking ability, and problem solving ability of their rocket scientists. And, uh, and, and then thinking about the future of the NASA space program. And would, the, would that future for the space program uh, be facilitated by having the right types of candidates, uh, potential employees to come in uh, for a role like that? And so he took some of the, the testing that he did for those NASA scientists and employed them among preschoolers. And uh, I, I think the results of that study were, were profound. And the fact that mm -hmm. the takeaway there was that, you know, four-year-olds and five-year-olds uh, have this creative genius about them and they scored in the 98th percentile this 1600 group of, uh, of kids that he uh, initially uh, was analyzing. And over time, began to see a decline in their abilities to problem solve, to think creatively. And so you have to kind of ask yourself the question, why did that happen? How did that happen? And these are children that are just embarking in their elementary education world. And, uh, and he, you know, he measured them at four or five years old. He measured them again at 10 and 15 and saw the dramatic decline. And so that sort of begs the question, are we dumbing down our children where we're not really, the school system is not preparing them for this robust future that uh, certainly is, uh, uh, is what we all desire for them, for our, for our children. And so I think, let's start there, uh, Katerina, is I, you know, you and I have had this conversation about kids and about the school system, and you made the, the comment to me at one point about our schools are information factories, uh, that we're not developing these creative things thinking and problem solving skills. So what have you found in your experience? Um, and what? And tell us a little bit about that and about the work you do to try to turn that tide. Okay, thank you, Deb. Um, yes, uh, it's a bit harsh, but I think that we do have information factories. Um, I heard today that in, for example, um, in Chicago that, uh, that teachers are not even allowed to create their own lesson plans, that they're not told what to do. So it seems to me that teachers are being turned into kind of robots and no wonder there are lack of teachers. And uh, they're not creating the curriculum like they do in Finland. And Finland has a very, very high score in not only academics, but, um, but, but children that are happy in school they have no homework they have a lot of playtime and it's just it's these are schools that are working not so much in sweden but in 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 finland and what we're doing what we're supposed to be doing is educating and education comes from educating comes from the word the latin word educare which is to bring out it's not to force in information, it's to bring out, and it's actually, I would say it's to bring out the brilliance in every child, because every child has a natural born brilliance, and we need to nurture that all the way through schools. So you use the term educare, um, which I which I love. You know, I think everybody's very familiar with you know healthcare, senior care as an example, but that there's an opportunity here for our school system to really kind of wear the hat of of educare. 
um, how, how could they go about um, employing some of those practices um, so that they can truly create an environment that is nurturing and fostering the development of these skills in very young children? Thank you, Deb. Um, first of all, what I would do with a school environment is I would start by training the parents to observe their children and to encourage them in anything that fascinates them, interests them. Um, and I, I've noticed that children at a very, very young age, you know, one or two, are fascinated, for example, by insects, they're fascinated by nature, and we need to nurture that fascination from a very early age. And we need to learn not to say no so much, but to say, yes, this is exciting. So, so trainings for parents to, to actually encourage their children, um, leadership trainings for principals to be exceptional leaders. So that whole school is dynamic and um, entrepreneurial trainings for teachers so that if the teacher is an entrepreneur and thinks like an entrepreneur in, in a divergent thinking way, mm -hmm. as opposed to convergent thinking, then he or she will be able to bring out the entrepreneurial brilliance or at least encourage them the entrepreneurial coaches to, to children who are naturally a creative and many of them are natural entrepreneurs. So what I'm hearing you, so there's an opportunity here for parents certainly to look for way, enrichment activities, if you will, for ways yes. to, um, to help develop their own children. You know, I think what we've seen over the course of the last couple of years and with what's happened with children, you know, work, uh, we're doing schoolwork online and from home is that parents have become more aware of the curriculum that is being taught to their children, certainly. There's that more awareness about that. And also it presents an opportunity now because parents I think have a heightened awareness about um, some of the, the current constraints within the classroom and maybe looking for ways to provide those enrichment activities. Uh, and, then, and even what we're seeing also is parents becoming more and more involved you know at the at this at, within the school system you know really participating more greatly in school board meetings as an example you know can't really turn on the news without seeing you know parents at the microphone really advocating for you know the right kind of curriculum and really being advocates for their children so I think you know if you know parents certainly can you know play the role of being that advocate looking for ways to provide enrichment within the home as well as then advocating for their children at the school school board level participating, becoming more active. So is that kind of a good, you know, best practice is for student or parents to kind of wear both of those hats? Absolutely, because if their if their children are if, if their if the children's brilliance is nurtured, the ch children are going to be enjoyed. They're going to be happy children. Happy children are easy to bring up. Unhappy children are difficult to bring up. And we don't want the child to get to a point where he feels such desperation that he starts to take drugs or gets into gangs or gives up on himself, gives up on schools, or, you know, worst case scenario, goes in and shoots his, 
his, his fellow students and, and teachers. I mean, that we have to take notice of that. And it's wonderful news to hear that, that parents are getting more and more engaged. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because certainly, you know, we're seeing, certainly in the workplace, we're seeing one of the, the you know, trends that we're seeing this year, certainly in the business, in the, within the workforce, is this increase of, you know, mental health issues in the workplace. You know, now what's happened is, you know, a lot of that is filtered down into the home and, and you know, onto our young people. And, and a recent uh, statistic that I saw was really speaking about their, about depression levels, you know, in eight and nine year olds and you know you have to kind of ask yourself you know what is happening there and I think you know a lot of it comes down to self-confidence self-esteem the ability for these children to express themselves in a way uh, that uh, maybe they they haven't been uh, encouraged to do uh, maybe within the classroom so I think there is a lot of work ahead that um, educators as well as you know parents and you know the village that surrounds those children because it certainly takes a village to raise children uh, can be mindful of the enrichment opportunities that they can provide so that these children can build confidence uh, and build their self-esteem you know and another thing is when you look at the school system you know we always talk about certainly in the business world that you get what you, what you measure right so if we're measuring students ability to score on a test is an example right we're testing them for competence in a certain area and if that's the measure um, you know that and that's that's a measure right so we're testing them for uh, their ability maybe to check the right box or have the right answer um, but that's not really doing much to, to foster their, their creative brilliance. And I love that you use that term, creative brilliance. Tell us a little bit more about what that means um, and, and, and you know, what steps you know, the school system as well as parents can take to encourage that development of that creative brilliance um, and maybe not worry so much about you know, having the right answer on a test. Thank you, Deb. Um, yes, what, what, at the moment we are, are fostering academics and intellectuals um, to regurgitate information. And so, so what can we do to bring out the brilliance? I mean, seven-year-olds that I have taught are unlimited and we should encourage that lack of limitation. And I think that we, we need to train seven-year-olds, even at that very early age, to play entrepreneurial games. You know, and as we go through the school, um, encourage entrepreneurship. It's actually required in Swedish schools now. Is it required to encourage it? It's not mandatory, but it's, it's required. And um, imagine if you, Deb, you go to school and you're seven years old and you have, you love, for example, skateboarding. And, and you learn to create a team. You learn to, to find out if you're a visionary, if you're an organizer, or if you're a marketer. And you get into teams and you, and you play a game, but it's kind of a serious game because this is a game which can provide you with an entrepreneurial business by the time you leave school and and you learn your mistakes all the way through and if you're if you're 
the principal is dynamic and encourages your brilliance. And if the teachers are dynamic and encourage your entrepreneurial skills, then you you gain in not only a self-confidence, but entrepreneurial knowledge so that you can make your mistakes all the way through school, leave school with a business that you can then monetize, and you have an income stream for the rest of your life, and you have confidence because you know how to work in a team, you know who you are, you know if you're a visionary and organizer and marketer, and you're pretty self-confident because you've done well in school. Even if you've made mistakes, you know. Exactly, you've learned a lot. You've certainly learned a lot and leveraged kind of that right side of your brain and the left side of your brain, right? And by, by mirroring both sides of your brain, the ability for you to, to attack these problems or, or identify potential solutions to a problem, you know, gets those, that thought process going and allows children to try, you know, try, right, trial and error. With that comes the learning and the knowledge um, that builds self-confidence. That's what I'm hearing you say. You know, let's, I'm sorry, let's remain on that confidence a little longer. So we get lots of, of comments on Facebook and Katharina, I wanted to pose you the question. So certainly we talk about the need of uh, building confidence in children at a very early age. So this week, as you well know, the Prime Minister of Finland, uh, they released this video of her dancing, okay, which is absolutely normal. So when the mayor, <laughs> Prime Minister of Italy gets drunk and gets in a, in a bra in a bar, we laugh at it. Uh, but when the female Prime Minister of Finland, so a Scandinavian country, which we thought, well, more open-minded at least, is dancing, we say, oh, is she competent to be the prime minister? So uh, do we have to not only help, you know, boys, but also girls become more confident, but do we have to go back and rethink about the issue of gender and ensuring that both boys and girls are confident and they're treated equally? Absolutely. Um, I mean, my, my experience was I, I went to a co-ed school um, in London, it was a very good school. So it was a good beginning to my life. And then we were just like girls only. I mean, life is about men and women. So we should have co-ed schools and we should learn to get on together. And and I think it's a perfectly natural thing to do. Um, and, and businesses should have men and women, of course. Um, as they do, they do in Scandinavia. Um, I think there was a law passed about 10 years ago that you had to have at least, I think, 30% of the board of directors had to be women. And they did that. It, it actually got into the press by mistake, but <laughs> it became a law. You know, I, thank you so much for that. I, I, I appreciate that. Um, you know, another thing too, that was recently in the news, a little bit of, of a different um, uh, piece of information was, uh, I just saw this literally two days ago about the uh, reading literacy scores within the United States. So something is, you know, 
fundamental as reading skills. It's becoming more and more challenging uh, for, for our children. And we, we're starting to see some of the states uh, here in the US really start to go kind of go back to the basics. It's almost like they're and they're going back to the use of phonics as an example, as the tool, the tool, the with in capital letters, the tool to teach children how to read. And teaching children how to read is challenging. It's not an easy thing to do. But what has transpired, I think, you know, and what we've seen over time is that we're not teaching children what they need, the fundamentals, you know, and, and we take it, talk in terms of core curriculum. You know, you made the comment earlier about, the, you know, the, the schools are developing the lesson plans, you know, and then the teachers are there to implement an existing lesson plan as opposed to having really the, the ability to uh, customize and develop curriculum that fits the needs of their specific children in their class. And so now what we've, what we've done, you know, we've used the term, you know, are we dumbing down our children? You know, just something as recent as two days ago with the challenge in reading literacy, you know, is very challenging. And they, they liken that result to depression in, you know, nine-year-olds and 10-year-olds who are depressed because they don't have the self-confidence and they're, they're struggling with their reading skills. So I think, you know, we talk about core curriculum, I think there's a lot to do, and you mentioned this, you know, early on in our conversation about, uh, you know, intervention, intervening uh, in these children's education, uh, you know, in the classroom and at home, with, you know, very early in their lives, very, you know, very, as early as you know preschool as an example because the last thing we want is for children to get to be you know third fourth fifth grade and they're struggling with reading really you know starts to, to you know turn the tide uh, not in their favor and of course we're here today to talk about the future of our children and preparing our children for the future so I think that this is you know an opportunity and and one of the things I love to I love on, about our show is that to provide these trends to our audience to say you know hey this is what you know the data is telling us these are you know trends that we're facing certainly in business you know and here the business of education which is today's topic but here's an opportunity for us to intervene number one have the awareness I want our audience to have that awareness and and because you know everybody can be an advocate for children everywhere to make sure that they are truly embarking on the right path you know from a very young age absolutely it, 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 it saddens me to know that um, that literacy, illiteracy is increasing. I mean, the three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, should be, you know, normal for any five or six-year-old. Um, it's very, very difficult to go through life without being able to read or write. So these children should have special classes absolutely they shouldn't go further than like second grade without being able to read or write mm -hmm. it, because because of course it's going to affect their confidence how can they go through school like how can they go through life like? we we it's, need to take i mean this is very this is a very serious problem but it, it's not enough right so the three r's are you know the very very basic but where should we focus to actually develop and foster that brilliance where should we go okay um i think 
to start with entrepreneurial trainings or entrepreneurial games at a very, very young age. Because children love to tell you about their brilliance. They, children love to tell you about their ideas. Um, and and the, the trouble is what we're doing uh, in schools today is we're shutting them up instead of saying, you know, allow them, even in preschool, to talk about, you know, what I love to do when I'm at home, what I love, what I, what I think I'll do when I'm an adult, and, and let them share that and have the conversation be between children, what is your brilliance? You know, ask the teachers, what is your brilliance? Ask the principal, what is your brilliance? So it's a conversation uh, that goes on in, in the classroom, at home, in the playground, and in, instead of, you know, what, what, what kind of iPhone have you got? It's more, it's more, you know, what, what, what's your joy? What's your brilliance? And focus on that rather than you're not so good, so good at mathematics or you're not so good at science. So focus on their strengths. And also, it's been proved, uh, Karolinska Institute here in Stockholm have proved that children up to six years old are linguistic geniuses. So when when you learn a second language, the information from your brain moves to another part of your brain. So children become brighter. They use more of their brains. They should be learning between two and three languages. And children love languages and they pick them up easily and they learn grammar easily. They don't even know it's grammar, but they speak correctly. And um, it's a huge advantage for them. So Deb, I wanted to ask you a question as an educator, and you did a lot of research in terms of the literacy skills. I'm not just talking about the R's and the brilliance, but one of the points that you made in a different show was about the lack of financial literacy. Mm -hmm. So could you please go over and explain why is it important for us to help children acquire financial literacy early on in life? You know, I, Ram, I love that question. Thank you. You know, it was such a great question. And, you know, as you know, you know, my, my business partner, Bill Hasse, and I are, are focused on providing financial literacy education to young people um, because, uh, you know, the conversation about money uh, is not happening in, in at home. Uh, there's not a lot of conversation about um, just basic financial information and education. And so, you know, we, we believe that there's an opportunity here to teach kids about money and, and starting, uh, you know, we're, and Bill and I are taking the approach of starting at the high school and college level because th th these are life skills. You know, so, you know, we talk about the future of kids. Um, you know, I know, you know a lot of the conversation we're having today is focusing on, you know, younger children. But, you know, these are themes that are carried on from, you know, a young age, you know, through, through um, you know, adolescence, certainly through high school and college. And so there's an opportunity here to let kids know about how to uh, manage money because these are life skills. This is information that will set them up well for the future. 
future. You know, everything we talk about, and I mean, Ron, you know, we're on Futures Television, we're talking about the future, we're talking about the future of kids, and, uh, and financial literacy is a key component of that. You know, we also talked about entrepreneurial skills, and I know, you know, Katarina is an advocate uh, for that as well. Teaching, you know, the, you know, and by doing so, by teaching these entrepreneurial skills, you're, you're, you're teaching kind of how to leverage your right and left side of your brain. You're thinking create, you have to be creative when you're an, embarking on a, you know, owning a business. You have to have the analytical skills as well. So I think that there's a lot we could do to provide our children with, and these are life skills, you know, so we sort of assume that the children, when they're in the school system, are learning the core curriculum, you know, the reading, the writing, the arithmetic, you know, well, maybe not not as much as they should be, I'll say that. So there's work to do certainly on the core curriculum side, the reading, the writing, the arithmetic, and then, you know, and adding on to that, building their skills in the areas of, you know, money and, you know, and what does it look like to, you know, to maybe run a business or, or what about, uh, you know, how to, how, be, how to become more self-aware, how to be, you know, empathetic to my fellow, to my friends, you know, so there, there's so many life skills uh, that that uh, we want, that we really are embracing the uh, educating children on, and so I think we need to do all of that. We need to focus on doing better on the core curriculum, you know, the three R's, if you will, but also on helping them build life skills that will set them up well for their future success, um, which is our ultimate goal. Now you both are talking about a very different kind of school. One, it's more comprehensive. So, Katarina I, and Deb, I have to ask you this question specifically to you, Katarina. Well, we can't do that without retraining teachers and principals and, and getting together with you know, the boards of education. So, in, in your experience, Katarina, and when you teach your leadership training uh, classes, what's the role or sh what should be the new role of the principal, uh, the school administrators, uh, the teachers? Could you give us some insight into that? Okay, thank you. Uh, for the principle, the principle, I think number one, he needs to, he or she needs to love children and care about their future. And if they're not, I don't know what they're doing as principals. So they need to be dynamic. They need to be the core person who, um, the hub of the school, the dynamic hub of the school. They need to, to be able to run a team of dynamic teachers uh, who also love the children and love to teach. I mean, you may not be able to love every single child. Um, people are human beings. Um, but at least you can respect them and accept them. And uh, the teacher's role needs to be less convergent in mindset and more divergent. In other words, um, encourage entrepreneurship by becoming and, and being trained as entrepreneurial coaches so that they can they can encourage the children to, to, to have ideas and to implement their ideas and to be able to distinguish between the children who are visionaries, organizers and marketers uh, because it's it's once they're trained it's fairly easy to tell and to have children work in teams so that the the, the, the teacher changes role um from 
from teaching a teaching role to an entrepreneurial role. And he's like, he's one fellow entrepreneur. And, and he or she gets to know the children in a completely different way. And I think that's, that's paramount for, for a school that um, they don't just see the teacher as uh, an information robot. Um, you asked about the administration as well. Everybody concerned in the school, including the parents, need to be advocates of of the children's brilliance. And um, we're a long way from 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 doing that right now. Um, but children can be trained. Teachers can be trained if they're open to it, and principals can be trained. Now, Deb, I wanted to ask you about specifically the, the school boards, right? So one aspect is the teachers and the principals, but then there are the administrators, are the people who actually run. So uh, to what extent do you think they subscribe to this idea that Katarina is advocating here? I mean, fostering brilliance in all aspects of life. So, so not just the, the three R's, mm -hmm. but brilliance excelling you know she's had so many words in there loving the children so we don't bring the our world in, in into boards perhaps as often as we should and in accepting and embracing people but this idea of brilliance in your dealings with the school boards uh, are people resistant are they just not aware or are they too busy doing the administrative work so how do you go about fostering the brilliance discussion with the boards of education well, I think you have to, you know, I, you know, the place that I start always is is with the data. You know, what is the data telling you about, you know, uh, you know, performance, and you know, what is? And I, I used an example uh, earlier about, you know, reading literacy rates, you know, here in the U.S. And you know, what what we're finding is that now they're going back to some of the back to basics, um, back to the, you know, the, the the teaching of phonics as a way to teach a children how to read. And I think that you know that's always a good place to start. Is you have to look at you know, and we're we're a show. We focus on trends. We focus on data points to help us understand a situation. I think the data points are very. Uh, people are very aware of of what is happening and recognizing that improvements need to be made. And so I think you know a good place to start is to share those statistics, to have a conversation around those statistics, and and then you know solve the problem, right? Come forward with recommendations and suggestions, and and try and, and test some of those new potential teaching models as an example. And I love the comment that Katarina made about you know tapping into each child's individual brilliance because I think that is a, a component that's that's missing is that I think and Katarina you know correct me if I'm wrong or you, you have a different perspective that you know children are not homogeneous they're not all the same they're all individuals they all have their strengths and their weaknesses they all have their own you know brilliance aptitude if you will and it's really the responsibility of the teachers to be able to to spend take the time to be able to understand each individual's children's brilliance or, or brilliance opportunity and cultivate that and i think that if we start looking at children as individuals 
and you know maybe there's different you know curriculum uh, for for different children who are who are exhibiting different uh, proficiencies or different competencies, uh, and and then putting a plan together in place. You know, I, I'll use a personal example of when my son was in eighth grade. He was in he was in third grade. He was eight years old. He was in third grade, and his teacher called us at home, my husband and I, and said, you know, we we see you know Zach's you know very bright, we would like to recommend that he take some enrichment programs. There's a great program at Northwestern University, you know, and so we, when he was eight, we took him for three years uh, to Northwestern every Saturday morning for enrichment programs, and they were very STEM, you know, related. You know, he subsequently became a mechanical engineer, so, but, but he had a teacher who recognized that about him. And I'm sure there were others in the classroom that, that had, the, had that were able to benefit from that as well but the point that I want to make is you have to understand you know you have a classroom and I know it's challenging because you may have 25 30 children in a class but you need to, but I think there's it's important to understand and know your children in your classroom and make recommendations so that you can sort of have an understanding of their maybe their their current brilliance and then how you can enrich that absolutely Deb uh, couldn't agree with you more. Absolutely. You no, know, you, you, so Katarina, you're talking about a very different kind of teacher. Like, you, so you are bringing the yeah. different roles. So the leadership, so the teacher as a leader. So as a parent, so what can we do? How can we engage our, our respective school districts or whichever administration we have so that we communicate with them? You know what? We want the leadership skills on the teachers. We want this, these teachers to be leaders, not just the three R's. So how do we engage with the traditional uh, school, school system that's, that doesn't value that? So how, what kind of role do we have as parents or how could we force you know, we need, we need, we need Katarina. We need someone to come here and retrain our people, uh, but the traditional school boards don't want any change. So how do you start the conversation? That's a great question. Would you like to hear some good news? Yes. Rom and Deb? Yes. Well, uh, there's a school in Kabul in Mexico. And there's a group of brilliant people who are starting an educational transformation, basically. They've been given carte blanche to this school in, in, in Kabul, the owner of the school approved, and, um, and they want to completely transform the concept, concept of school that we have today. And it's, it's um, headed by a, uh, a man called Anurag Gupta, um, Joshua Perdue, is is more in the financial group um and will eventually eventually be able to for finance trainings but um i've been invited over there and i will be going probably in march january or march uh, in 23 and introducing my trainings it hasn't been completely approved yet but uh, i want to go and they're very interested in my programs and they're also interested in certification so it's 
global leadership school certification, starting with parent trainings, uh, teacher trainings, principal consultations, and entrepreneurial trainings. So what we what what I would like to do, what we want to do is make a splash, make a bring that into the media. The their branding is is um, being handled by Oprah Winfrey's team. And um, I think once we make a difference there, that the, that the world is going to sit up and realize that, okay, maybe we need to make some changes. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that and, and, and congratulations and, and best, best wishes um, on that initiative because again, that, you know, that is, it can truly be impactful. And uh, I think there'd be a lot of uh, best practices that probably come out of that as well. You know, Absolutely. let's, let's uh, you know, shift a little bit and talk. Uh, I'd like to kind of uh, talk a little bit about, um, you know, the stress stress issues that related that are um our, our young people are experiencing um in today's world and you know what in in katarina in the work that you're doing what are you finding uh because you know we're living in a stressful world i mean you know businesses business owners are stressed uh you know adults are stressed children are stressed what can we do to help our kids um prepare for a for the future um and help them minimize some of the stress uh and emotional turmoil uh that they're undergoing right now great question uh you talked about financial autonomy mm -hmm. and I think what we need to, to teach children <clears throat> is emotional autonomy, to be able to decipher what kind of emotions they're actually feeling and to be able to articulate them, to be able to communicate them. Uh, I think that's absolutely essential and we can educate children at a very early age to define their feelings and to be able to express them and not to make themselves wrong for that or anybody else wrong for that mm -hmm. so it's very very important that we help children to do that and to also accept themselves and love themselves and and, and get out of the you know we're stressed because we compare you know basically we're stressed mm -hmm. because we're always trying to reach a, an impossible goal. Well, that's nonsense. Excuse me, but it's crazy. What we need to do is to focus more on what gives us joy, focus on our brilliance, focus on our feelings. And I'm not saying we should all sit and meditate in school all day long and say, um, or whatever. And I'm not making a, a mockery of that. I think that it, it has its place. and. Perhaps it would be good for children to learn meditation as well. Um, but I think we live in a crazy world because we have a crazy way of thinking and we've lost touch with our inner core. And the children who go through the, the schools that we train and the schools that we create will have a very clear concept of who they are and how important they are in the world, not in an ego sense, but in a way that they are important because they contribute. 
you know, like Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, mm -hmm. ask what you can do for your country. Now, see, I love that because they're, here they're, they're learning about themselves, right? They're learning what they like, yes. what they don't like. Um, maybe they're having some self-awareness about what they're good at. Uh, or self-awareness about maybe where they're not. And so I think that by exposing them to, you know, you know this, this notion of entrepreneurship, which, you know, is kind of this 360 degree view of the world, right? They're, be, they're able to tap into some of their own, their own creative brilliance and they, and they will find opportunities for themselves to shine right to, to to rise up and uh and with that you know and and contribute and so uh, contribute versus compare so i love that that comment that you made about you know a lot of stress comes from the comparison but that you know if we're focusing on their strengths and not their weaknesses and we provide them with opportunities to contribute to try to learn um to explore right that that will go a long way in helping them build their self-esteem they'll they'll be able to become more self-aware and then maybe they'll we'll find that over time they're comparing themselves less and less to their peer group is that a fair absolutely. statement absolutely they'll be they'll be comparing themselves to themselves and saying you know i can raise the bar in this subject or i can raise the bar in my entrepreneurship but what they will be doing is learning cooperation rather than competition and working with teams and realizing it it's a win-win situation when you're cooperating with other children if they cooperate in their schools they will continue to cooperate as adults they won't compete they won't backstab they won't create toxic environments like there are many times in in the corporate world and every child will have their brilliance profile so that any teacher in the school or or um, even even a parent of that child can look at their child's brilliance profile and find all of their strengths and encourage those strengths and it will be up to the child to say well i'm not so good at mathematics and i want to be better i want to be better or the child would say, I don't care, I'm not interested. I'm interested in money, but I'm not interested in mathematics. And then we could have the conversation is in, well, if you're an entrepreneur, maybe it's a good idea that you are focused on, on money and how to make it and how to grow it and, and you know, how to keep it also. You know, I love that you talk about the brilliance profile, and I think you know that that might be a, a, an interesting takeaway for for those who are watching and listening today. Is you know, if there is a way that we could advocate for uh, for our children to have a brilliance profile, so that you know we can understand better the school system, the superintendents, the administrators, even parents can understand how to tap into and how to nurture that brilliance. Um, I love that. And th and then just one final comment about you know the comparison, the contribution versus comparison um, discussion is by providing opportunities for these kids to, to build their confidence, to understand what they're good at. Um, they will recognize that they're not good at everything and, and neither is anybody else, right? Everybody has their strengths. And with that comes sort of an awareness about you know, their peers 
and maybe there's a level of um, empathy uh, that you know that comes forward and a, a general understanding that you know everybody's special everybody has their own competence and their own yeah. brilliance their own issues their own weaknesses but you know you even you know you you know as as grown-ups as people in business uh, you know uh, we've talked we look at emerging trends a lot of our show topics are about emerging trends and uh, you know and I look back at last year and the number one emerging trend for business owners SMB small to mid-market business owners was all about funding you know we were in the middle of a pandemic you know getting emergency funding was critically important here we are you know at the beginning of this year and now the number one trend in business or emerging trend the issues or challenges in the workplace are emotional intelligence and empathy so you know you, you take that kind of like that's kind of a wow factor about you know and the more that we understand about you know about how to be mindful that we're all we all are special we all have our different uh, you know comp competencies if you will but it also helps us understand that you know not everybody is the same and that we need to be respectful of that and I think that if we just have that mindset uh, if we can help children understand um, those differences and have an appreciation for the differences, then maybe we'll stop seeing some of this comparison uh, and then the, the issues that come from that when you may see your self-esteem you know, uh, falter. Absolutely. And well, can you imagine with a, with a brilliance profile that, I mean, we're, we're human beings and as you say, we're, we're all unique. But imagine a teacher who really doesn't get on with a child or a child who doesn't get on with a teacher and it happens in nearly every person. Imagine if that teacher can access that child's brilliant profile, brilliant profile and find what is their, what are their goals? What are their visions? Then immediately they have a talking point because it's all about the child. Right. And the teacher could say, well, Maybe you don't like me very much, and um, maybe we got off to a bad start. But I realized that you you love ice hockey, and um, I would love to help you um, realize your dreams in ice hockey. In fact, I have a friend, and he may be able to coach you in ice hockey. Ice hockey mm -hmm. would that be something you'd be willing to accept? You know, that could be a conversation rather than, well, you know, you disrupt my class. And the child says, well, I don't like you anyway. So <laughs> it's a much well, more constructive. This is just absolutely wonderful. This is not exactly where I expected us to go, but this is the kind of conversation uh, we should be having. So I wanted just to take a moment and kind of summarize what I think you guys said. So. I think our real topic is are we truly educating our children or are we dumbing them down, right? So having them sit in this, Katarina described them as information factories, right? Uh, so we're focusing on, on, on the R's and maybe not so well as we should, right? but we're not focusing on brilliance, right? So we really need to kind of uh, put our emphasis on the strengths, not on the weaknesses, right? Uh, we need to bring all the types of skills, entrepreneurial skills, right? We need to retain the teachers. We need to retrain the boards of education. We need to 
we engage with people. And one thing that I kind of love that you guys, well, first you, you introduced the word love back into the, into the school, but this brilliance profile, right? the ability of, of having that and being known, being shared, uh, so that we all can work together. And perhaps as you explained, maybe someone doesn't care much about, you know, math, but they care about money or they care about ice hockey, and then you re-engage that child right. with ice hockey. So it's not with, uh, you know, arithmetic or linguistic, but it was ice hockey. Whatever it was, we were able to identify that brilliance factor and help that child shine, right? So we really need to hear back from you what goes on in Kabul. We want to hear more about Absolutely. that experience, right? And uh, what comes out of it? Deb, some some last closing thoughts. No, I you know I, I appreciate that, and I think uh, you're going to have some great lessons to share with us, Katerina. Would love to have you come back and uh, for our take two show and explore some of these topics, maybe in in greater detail, go a little bit deeper. Um, but I'm so delighted that you're with us today, sharing your wisdom with our with our audience. And uh, and please, uh, you know, let us know how uh, that is moving forward and how we can all learn from it. And and use that as a best practice to take forward. Thank you, Deb. It's been a pleasure to be here. You guys are great. You really care about education. That's that's obvious. And you really care about children. So and we don't care you. about transformational leaders like yes. you are. And that's Absolutely. what we need. Absolutely. It's a transformational leader to come in and to this old field of mold education system and turn it around. And I think you're the person to do that. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. So Thank much. you, Katerina. Thank you, Katerina. So let's say a few words about the upcoming shows. Uh, so again, Thursday, September the 8th, our guest will be JD Gershbein on Pioneering the Next Frontier of LinkedIn. On September the 22nd, our guest will be Caroline Leonard on how to finance your dreams. That's very important. Someone's going to have to pay for it. It doesn't happen by chance. On October the 6th, our guest will be George Sullivan on climate change, sustainability, and why you and your business should care and steps you can take. Folks, uh, I can't say uh, this and repeat it enough, but you know, Ask Tab About Business is recorded at Butterfield Studio in Vernon Hills, Illinois, located at 1000 Butterfield Road, Suite 1007. Again, Vernon Hills, just 25 minutes north of Chicago's O'Hara Airport with its 7,500 square feet customizable staging and broadcasting space. The studio, with its full service production and broadcasting team, is sure to service your next conference, game show, product launch, brand activation, you name it. As Tab About Business, the host and features television, thank Butterfield Studio for making this show awesome. We love you guys. Again, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, I hope you come back. And if you have more questions for Katarina, please be sure to submit them again via our YouTube channel. Again, IMCI Magazine via YouTube. Thanks again. And I'm going to leave you with our institutional message. See you next time.